Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray this message helps you connect to God as you find your place, reveal your purpose, and unlock your potential. Let's head live to Pastor Chris for today's powerful message. Hey, listen, I got to start this new No Fear November. I, I was thinking about November. I'll probably drive this team crazy. A lot of them went and come back. They all go and come on. Uh, but I was telling Lauren, I said, I want to do No Fear November just for one week. I don't know. Next week might be No, no Faith November. I don't know. It'll be something. I'll work on it. Don't worry. I'll have it. But I, don't want, I, don't, I want you to understand something about fear. Fear is a limiting factor. Fear is not just a phobia. It's not a scare thing. Fear limits sometimes what you can see. Fear limits what you can believe. Fear limits what you believe you can do. Fear is a very limiting factor. And if you're not careful, fear will be holding you back. And you, it's sneaky. And you'll never really understand what fear is doing. But it is really limiting your life. And if you're not careful, you could be living in this thing and not even realize it's kind of clipping at your heels. Because what happens with fear is this, is sneaky. You know what I mean? It, it tries to limit sometimes your ability to see yourself the way God wants you to see. It's limiting the ability of, of what you think you can do. It's limiting sometimes how far you can dream. It's limiting how far you can believe. It's sometimes what he, the enemy tries to do, it limits what you can almost believe about yourself, about what the word of God says, because almost, I'm almost like, I don't know if I can believe that about me, because you know you better than anybody, and sometimes because you know you better than anybody, you almost downplay where God's trying to elevate you, because you're almost scared. Sometimes people are scared to fail, and because you're scared to fail, you don't even try at all. And sometimes people are scared to fail, they don't even try anything, because they're like, I'm scared to fail. Well, you better stop getting scared to fail because if you get like that mentality, you ain't never going to try nothing. You're going to stay right where you are for the rest of your life. So why not, why not go to another level? So I want to talk to you about this. The number one thing I want you to write down is this. We don't have to fear the future. That is one of the biggest reasons why people fear. They fear the unknown. I don't know what the future holds. Who does? I know who's holding the future, though. Amen. You can't get nervous about what the future holds. You can't, you got to just, you just know this. I can only respond to the future. How I respond to the future is the key because I do not control the future. Nobody does. You understand? And God's going to show you how to navigate through life. You cannot be afraid of the future. Look what Psalms 23, 4 says. Now look at this. When we're reading it, kind of absorb it. I, what are you going to do? Is, it, is, it gonna, is the economy going to get bad? Am I going to get, I, I know people afraid to get sick. You ever been around somebody afraid to get sick? You're so scared of getting sick, they sick before they get sick. I'm not lightening it, but I'm being serious. Like, people are, 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 they got fear of like, the fear, I don't know this, and I don't know that, and I don't, no, you can't, you got to realize this. You cannot fear the future because God's got the future, but look what he said in his word. And this is Psalm 28. Lord, even when your path takes me through the deepest, darkest fear will never conquer me, for you already have. Come on, you see that? Ain't that good? Even when your path takes you, how many of you know sometimes God's path takes you through some dark places? Yes. Ain't it? Yes. How many of you want to just be on easy street? Yeah, Man, I do. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Yes. Simple street. No drama. You guys ain't preaching to me today. Come on. You know what I'm saying? You know, no special people showing up in my life. How many of you got special people show up in your life? You got some special people show up in your life? You know what special people are? Very unique individuals that irritate me. Do you have any special people? Do you have special people you work with? 
Are you sitting next to a special person? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Right? You know, come on. Why? 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 Even when the past takes me, I never come. For you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Come on. Look at the next one. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. Come on, man. God's coming. I'm never lonely for you are near. Now watch this. What? You become a delicious feast even when my enemies dare to what? To fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit and you give me what? All I can drink until my heart overflows. Look at verse 6. Right? So why would I fear the future? Because your goodness and your love pursues me all the days of my life. That's what you got to remember. God's goodness is there. It don't feel good. It don't look good. It don't sound good, but God's still good. You got to remember that. I know that sounds simple, but when you're walking through it, sometimes it's not like good. You know, this don't look good. Well, don't worry about good. He, God's still good. Remember this, right? We fear the future because it's unknown. But what? God wants us to understand through his word that he's going to be there. Number one point about this is I don't need to fear the future. Why? Because God's goodness is always watching over me. Write that down. God's goodness is always watching over you. But you got to remind yourself of that. How many times you got to remind yourself when you're going through stuff? You know what I mean? Like God, this situation is hard, man, but God's still good. He's going to work it out. Man, I don't know about you, but I forget that. I get mad. Don't you get mad and start complaining? Oh, y'all holy in here. I know how y'all are, right? You know, but he complains. I complain all the time, man. I start getting frustrated. Then I get, how many get mad at God? You know, I told, this morning I was driving to church and I said something out loud and Gigi hears me. You know, she's like, she's like, she's like a, a little patrolman. She's a confession cop. You know, she's like, daddy, why did you tell God that? I said, I wasn't telling God nothing. I was telling the devil, he's a jerk and he needs not be, be dealing with people and you got to put him in his place. And she thought I was yelling at God. I wasn't yelling at God. I was telling the devil what to do. But how many you know, sometimes in life, if you don't take your authority, you got to take your authority. Because if you don't take your authority, just because you have authority doesn't mean your authority is going to do anything in this situation. You have to enforce authority. You understand? And the church is too lethargic. You know what I'm saying? Because they'll sit back. Like, I don't want to say nothing. What do you mean you don't want to say nothing? You've been talking all day long. You should be talking all day long positive. See, I get a little ornery when I start talking about this because I know your mouth ain't moving enough. Your faith can't even, your faith can't move your mouth. It's going to move a mountain. Give me a break. I got mountain moving faith. What you been talking to, bro? See, I got this New Jersey God that lives in me. I don't know about you people. Some of you got like this little mamby-pamby God. Like, oh, hello, darling. I'm so happy you woke up today. Is your day going to be wonderful? My God inside of me is rough. Like, I, the other day I told him, I said, why don't you do something about it? He was like, why don't you do something about it? It's your problem, not mine. I said, well, you're God. Why don't you, can't you do anything? He said, well, can't you use your authority? You don't have a God like that living inside of you? Kind of sounds like New Jersey gangster. You got one of them? Yeah, it does. Like God's like firms you up. Like, and the more you know, the worse it gets because he comes back with chapter and verse and goes, how about that one? And you go, oh, just leave me alone, bro. You know what I mean? He don't do that to you? Like he gave, Luke, Luke 10, 19 says he gives you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power and all the works of the devil. Yeah. Who got the authority? We do. You do. God doesn't have the authority. He gave it to the church. Here we go. 
But God can do whatever he wants. All these people pushing this sovereign God business, you could fly a kite on that one. I'm against it. You want to know why? Let me explain to you what I'm saying here. Is God sovereign? Yes, God moves sovereignly. Then he moved and finished it and said, now it's done. Now it's up to you to take your authority and you move in the earth. Whatever God has done sovereignly is already finished. He ain't coming in just going to sprinkle a little on you and sprinkle a little on you. He said, take my word, take my authority, take my power, take my name, take my blood, and go in that earth and dominate the thing, subdue it, multiply, and have dominion. And we over here at the church like, God, what are you going to do? He's like, I gave you everything I got. What are you doing with it? The sovereign was giving you all the stuff. The action is we got to take it and enforce it in the earth. You see it? He waiting for us to say, you got to speak to the mountain. You got to talk. Well, God's just going to do what he wants to do. No, forget all that. God's going to do what you ask him to do with the word of God. And I got a new shit. God ain't against you. He's a good God. He's for you. The only one trying to hold you back is the enemy. Put him in his place. And they say, well, you're a little bit excited. You're so excited. Why are you so excited about this? Because I don't like losing. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to lose. I don't, I, look, as long as I play good and it's good and we lose, okay, I'm okay with it. But man, nah, not God. He never lost a battle in a day in his life. We got to find out how to win with authority. So now check this out. So I got to know something about goodness. If God is good and God is for me, then I ain't got to fear nothing. What are you afraid of? Now let me tell you something about fear. Ever tell you that time I was in Bible school? Uh, I was in Bible school and uh, Kenneth Hagin's doing his thing, you know, and if Kenneth, brother, brother Hagin was on the pulpit, he's over here doing his thing, and I'm a student, and I'm sitting like, sitting right over there, <laughs> right over there, you know, and Brother Hagin's doing his thing and doing his thing, and I'm sitting in the seat over there, and it felt like, man, my heart was coming out of my chest, man. I said, what in the world's going, what is this? Pum, 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 I got all lightheaded, got all clammy, like weird. I was like, oh my God, I think I'm dying or something. I was like, well, if I die, somebody in here could probably raise me from the dead. A good place to drop dead. If you're going to die, you might as well die here. And, and, I, and I resisted it. I said, well, you know, I said, I'm, not, I'm not going out like this. So I just stood there and resisted and pushed, and, you know, just hang, held on. And it was, and I got out. And I was like, man, this is weird. Got out, walked out. I go in the lobby, you know, you're walking through the school and you do your stuff. I said, this is weird. One of these girls in school goes, oh, my God, you hear about so-and-so? They thought they were having a heart attack, and they, they went to the hospital. I said, that's exactly – somebody else over there said, you know, I felt – I said, man, I said, did you feel all weird? Everybody in the room was like – a couple people were like, I felt like my got lightheaded. I felt like my heart – I said, that's what I felt. Did your hands get all cold and cold? I said, yeah. Now, we got nurses in here. You know what they – what are they – you know, you're a nurse. You know, you're almost a doctor. What would you say? Well, you're having a uh, – what do you say? You're having a panic attack. I said, funny how a panic attack is real familiar to the spirit of fear. Now, some of you might have panic attacks, but let me let you in on a secret. That ain't no panic attack. That's the spirit of fear trying to manifest itself. I took authority over it, and we were good, and I learned. That day, I learned. Everywhere I go ministering the gospel, anybody ever has those kind of symptoms, I know exactly what it is. It's funny how Jesus said it's a spirit of fear. It's not a feeling of fear. It's a spirit. Some of you might deal with that. If you do, you got to face off with it, and you got to resist it. That's the natural effect of it. But you don't have to yield to that. And, I mean, you take care of yourself physically. You know, you know what I'm saying? You go to the doctor. You do what you got to do. We ain't against that stuff. But I'm trying to tell you there's a spiritual thing going on. You ever feel like the wind got knocked out of you from life? And you're like, <gasps> it almost hits you so hard. It grabs you in your spirit. And you feel like, oh, my God, what was that? That's a spiritual activity trying to come and give you a little shot. Yeah. You got to stand in faith. But here's the thing. Just like that symptom was natural, Guess what? There's a spiritual application behind it, and you have to see it. So watch this. The enemy is slipping fear in your head, making you believe you can't do something sometimes. 
Making you believe you can't be that. Making you believe that can't happen in your marriage. Making sure that can't. No, I got news for you in your life. Well, nothing's good. No, you got to resist that mess in your mental game just as much as your physical game. Because if God be for me, who in the world could be against me? And God said, I'm good to you no matter what's going on. So understand how good God is. Look at this right here. Here's the big one. You ready? Because when you got to understand this, Psalm 31, 19. Because when you fear God, you don't have to fear anything else. Write that down. Look at this. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. This is what I figured out. I don't fear nothing. They said, Pastor Chris, you afraid of this? I ain't afraid of nothing. You afraid of dying? Nope. You afraid of this? Nope. You afraid of that? Nope. Only thing I'm afraid of is God. I figured that out a long time ago. I said, once I became afraid of God, I got afraid of nothing else. See what I'm saying? You got it. When you have a, now listen, not a phobic fear of God. I got a reverence for God. I got a holy reverence for God where I understand that what? God, God is God. You don't play around with God because it ain't worth it. Amen. You're going to lose. So what do you do? You have a reverence for God. You have, see, that's where Adam got all messed up in the beginning because you got to understand something. Adam, I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, did not reverence God. You understand? Because Adam, to reverence him, he said, now I know you fear me. See, when Abraham brought Isaac, he, he required Isaac for only one reason. God is not warped in his perception towards man. He needed Abraham to fear him. He said, Abraham, now I know that I fear, thou fears me. See, Abraham's getting ready to take Isaac out. And he said, stop. Now I know you what? You fear me. You translate it over and look at it. It means you reverence me. Why did he need reverence in Abraham? Because he didn't have reverence in Adam. Adam did not have a holy awe of God in his word. He had phobia fear of God because when he was naked, he said, I'm naked and afraid of your voice. He said, why are you afraid of me? Who told you you're a sinner? Where did you identify yourself wrong? Because if you would have kept your identity in me, you would have stood in the understanding. See, he missed it. He didn't know the character of God. I don't know what Adam was doing all day long in the cool of the day with God, but he was not paying attention. That's obvious because you cannot tell me something about somebody I already know. You cannot deceive me from that. I already know who they are. Let me go, Saul. Okay. So you, no, it's good. You're thinking. You come and try to tell me something about somebody I know. Okay, Jerry. Let's take Jerry. I'll pick on Jerry, right? I know Jerry. You come and tell me five things about Jerry. You don't know Jerry. You tell me Jerry's this, Jerry's that, Jerry's this, Jerry that. I know Jerry. I spent time with Jerry. I hung out with Jerry. I've been in Jerry's house. I've been fishing with Jerry. I've gone to dinner with Jerry. I know Jerry. You try to tell me something about Jerry. I ain't going to listen to you because I know Jerry. You don't know Jerry. Oh, Jerry's this. No, he ain't. I know him. Hang out with him. Got his number. I could call him. I could talk to him. I go hang out with him. I could spend the holiday with him if I want. You don't know him. Don't try to tell me who Jerry is. I know Jerry. Well, you know, that's Adam's ding-dong head. He didn't know who God was because when the devil tried to come and tell him who God was, he believed the devil more than he believed the God he was supposed to know. That's the problem with people. We don't know he's good. We don't think he's good. And now we take other people's crazy perceptions about God or our own lack of intelligence about God and take these perceptions based upon unknown nonsense. And now we're mad at God. What you mad about God? God's good. See what I'm saying? Is that too fast? You get what I'm, you get what I'm saying? So you can't tell me something about somebody that I know. Maybe Adam didn't know him as good as we think. Look, man, if God brings you in the garden and says, don't touch trees, don't touch the trees. It ain't because God's being a mean jerk. He's just trying to stop you from destroying yourself. 
That's the problem with people. God said no. As you mature in Christ, you're going to be glad God said no. Because remember, you got what you wanted, but God didn't want you to have what you got? Remember that season? Wasn't that fun? Please. Please. Please stop. Stop, please. You don't want what God don't want you to have. God's good. And you're over there like, I want it, little baby. You know what I'm saying? I want it. I want it. Like a little wine, little bottles, you know, little binky sucking, bottle feeding baby we get like. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying, I want it, God. I remember one time I went somewhere and I, want, I wanted this thing. I, I really did. I wanted it. I said, I want that. Why don't you give me that? I was complaining in my head the whole store. I want that. You never done that? People lie in church, and God knows your heart. I can't believe how, you know what? You all need to repent before you come to church. I don't want to act like that. You do it. You know, like you ever want some? I was like, I want that. But if I get that, Pastor Liz is going to go crazy. So God, you got to do it. I want that. Or you got greed. No, it isn't greed. I just want it. I said, I like it. I want it. Why don't you give me that, God? You know what I'm saying? And then I got this internal struggle in my head. You know, I'm like, you should do this for me. I go to church. I pastor the church. I can start giving her a whole bunch of reasons why I should do it. You know what? God looked at me later on. He's like, you're such a baby. I, was, I knew I was having a pity party inside my head. Why? Because sometimes you want what you want, but God doesn't want you to have certain things because it's probably good for you not to have it. You understand? Y'all don't want to hear me. And it ain't just stuff. I'm in love. Yeah, you in heat. You ain't in love. Stop. Don't bring that home to your mama. Because my mama don't like you, and she like everybody. <laughs> you know that's true. You know that's true, right? They bring him home like, you know, oh, God, this is going to be great. That is Ishmael. <laughs> baby, that is not the promise of God. That Ishmael. That's a flesh baby. Get, don't know. Stop. Stop. But I want what I want. I got a sermon somewhere in there. I want what I want. And I'm going to get what I want. And then I preached it this. I hope you want what you got after you get it. You might not want it and you can't give it back. So you better pay attention. Hello? You better amen me a whole lot better than you amen me. That's good preaching. You know what I'm saying? Like you want it, but no, you got to understand something about this, that God is good. Look at this. Love is the key. Don't ever forget it. I know it sounds good, but love overcomes fear. There's a reciprocal of fear called faith. Come on. But there's another reciprocal of fear called love. Look what it says in 1 John 4.18. Okay? Love overcomes fear. Just go to 4.18. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives out the fear of punishment far, far, far. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Ain't that good news? Man, love overcomes it, man. God's love is good. Now we say, oh, we got the love of God. But how many of you know love overcomes fear? And if you know how much God loves you, you ain't going to be afraid of nothing. Here's another thing. Write it down. This is a big one. Why is this such a problem? Because I'm going to tell you right here now, whether you want to believe it or not, one of the greatest problems with fear is it affects your vision. Fear affects your vision. I got another scripture for them I want to show. Proverbs 29, 18 in the Passion. Proverbs 29, 18. Fear, I'm telling you, fear affects your vision because now you can't see no more. You know what I'm saying? You gotta, you're going to go make, all you people making big money moves, all you, all you business people, all you dreamers, all you, you know what it's like. 
Fear is, you, your knees will start knocking. You get in some of these projects and you're like, bro, that's a lot of money and that's a lot of leverage and that's a lot of, it, it'll, it'll knock you upside your head if you're not careful. Why? It'll try to tell you to limit what you see. It'll try to shrink, right? You know what I'm saying? People that have done this know what, they're t- know what I'm talking about. People that are novices are like, what are you talking about? I'm trying to tell you, like, it'll shrink your capacity. I, I've been with, uh, I was with this, these guys. These guys were all high-end guys, and they, they were, like, scary high-end. And I was like, you dudes just are different. They think at a different level than most people. It's scary how focused they are because they just, it's like, you know what I, I likened it to? I say what my buddy says. It was like I was looking out the same window, but I couldn't see what they were seeing. They were seeing something so different than what I saw at the same window. I was like, almost like, how do you do that? I just couldn't, I was just not at that level of sight. So I was in the same building looking at the same window. Problem was they were in the penthouse and I was like floor 15. I couldn't see where they were at. So you know what I did? I just stood still and tried to like shift into their mindset and it takes work. Because fear screaming at you saying, get back in the boat. You don't belong out here. Get back in the boat. See, that's Jesus. Gee, Jesus was a baller. See, Jesus is walking on the water and the waves are going wacky and crazy. Peter sank. And because f- Peter, biddest thou me come. You got to understand all this stuff, spiritual principles. Jesus is walking on water. Makes no sense. Why are you walking on water? Because I can. There's no spiritual success to why Jesus is walking on water. Do you understand this? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just, a, it's another level of life and it's another level of faith and it's another level of action. So Jesus is walking on water, right? Cool. Peter and them see him, they go, man, this is, you look, you're freaking us out. What's that? Is that a ghost? He said, no, it's me. So what inside Peter says, bid me to come. I want to come out there. Why would you want to go out there? Because it's in your DNA to be that big. See it? Going out, Peter getting out of the boat don't make no sense. Doesn't make, it's stupid, really. What's the big deal? He said, no, I see something that you do that I want to do. I see something I can be that I want to be. What's that? I want to go to a place. He's seeing a place of faith he's trying to go to. He tried to do it when he heard the word of God. He said, who am I, Peter? He said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. He said, flesh and blood did not give you that revelation that you heard in your ear from my father, but my father in heaven gave you that. What was the problem though? He couldn't walk it out. Why? Because he said, let me tell you now that you have that revelation, what you have to go through. And the moment he found out what he had to go through, he said, over my dead body. And Jesus turned his back on him and said, get behind me, Satan. He couldn't walk out what he heard and he couldn't walk out what he saw. Because faith gets tested the moment you trust it. And he said, okay, I heard something that I cannot maintain, but I still got it. Now we see something that he can become, and he steps out on it, because life in the spirit is always a faith step first. And he gets out there, but the problem is he does not know how to maintain where faith got him. That's the problem with most people. Faith got you there. Can you maintain it? Steps out of the boat, gets out there, and he starts seeing everything go crazy, and he starts to sink, and Jesus saves him and goes, why are you afraid? What happened? Funny thing about Jesus, when Jesus gets back in the boat, everything goes calm. Jesus is used to the fact that every single time you and me do something supernatural or defy the laws or press, fear is going to be around you saying, get back in the boat, 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 go back, go back, go back, go back. Because once faith steps out on the water, fear starts screaming, you're not supposed to be out here. 
Once you take a step of faith, fear starts screaming out, get back in the boat. Look at the wind. Look at the waves. Look at the problems. Look at the storm. Look at the sea. Get back in the boat. Jesus is strolling. To get back in the boat and everything goes calm. Jesus says, come on, I'm used to this. Because every time I move, the earth starts screaming out, stop. It tries to affect your vision fear. You can't do that. You can't be that. You can't go. Who said you can't? Don't let it make you go back in the boat. Stay out on the water. I'd rather drown with Jesus in the middle of the ocean than sit in a boat all day long by myself. Come on, man. Don't go back. Why do you see it? Why do you believe it? Why you? Why now? Why? Why not you? Why not now? See what I'm saying? trying to make you get back in the boat. You don't belong out here. No, I don't, but my daddy said I could come. Biddest thou me come. Biddest thou me come. Come on, man, just get out there. What do you do when you get out there? I don't know, bro. I've been out there. You know what I do? I just hang on. You know what I'm saying? He's looking for instructions while he's out there. What do I do now? Hang on. <laughs> my faith, your faith has gotten you in trouble, has it not? Because you get out there and you don't know what to do. Just don't, just hang on because the only thing you do is what? Either go back in the boat or stay out there and stay out there. Don't go back in the boat. You can't do nothing riding in the boat with all the stinky fishermen. Come on. Stay out in the water, okay? So you got that. So you see the understanding of it? Look what it says in Proverbs 20, 19. Where there is no clear prophetic vision, people can't quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's what? Bliss fills your soul. Clear prophetic vision. What does that mean? If you don't know where you're going, you ain't going to get there. Right? Here's the problem with fear, though. It affects your vision. Remember the spies? Numbers 14, 1 and 2, right? NLT. What was the problem? God said, take the promised land. What was the problem with them? We see the giant, so we what? Limit vision based upon what? Fear. God said, you can take the land. You can take the promised land. I got a land flowing with you, with milk and honey, the blessing, the, everything's waiting for you. Go. What'd they do? We got there and we see what? And then the whole community began weeping and they cried all night. What did they say? The voices rose, a chorus of protest against Moses. If we'd only died in Egypt, in the wilderness, they complained. Right? God's trying to take them to the best land. Ooh, come on, somebody. God's trying to take them to the promised land. Come on, baby. Right? God's trying to get them to a good place. And what do they do? Oh, my God, we should have died in Egypt. It was better for me in Egypt than for me to get out here. And what did fear do? Fear limited the vision to see God's greatest provision because why? Instead of looking at what God told them to look at, they were looking at the things that grabbed their attention, and it was fear. Fear affects your what? Your vision. You can't do that. You can't be that. You can't go there. You can't, you can't, you won't, you this, you that. No, no, no. Who in the heaven is telling you this stuff? I told you that time I went to that thing. Man, I tell you these stories. Huh? You like these stories? Yeah. All right, I go to this thing. My buddy, this is a real, this is a nut, nutty one. My buddy calls me up and says, hey, look, I'm coming down here. I'm going to be there. I switched my jobs. I'm with one of these finance companies. They just gave him almost a million bucks to transfer his job. I was like, well, I ain't staying where you're staying, bro. I was single back then. You know, I was like, nah, bro. You guys are staying here. He goes, all right, just come to the thing, check out. So I go to this thing, and I walk in, and I walked in, and I met the CEO of the company. CEO of the company likes me. So he goes, well, why, where, why, why don't you come to dinner? I said, this is like this business thing. I'm like, what do you mean come to this dinner? So this dinner's for all the high-end guys that made, you know, like 
these guys were balling. They gave him a million bucks just to switch jobs. So imagine how much money these guys were making. So I show up like, you know, he's my buddy. I'm not staying here with you. I'm like, I'm going to see Fran. Hey, how you doing? What's up? And Fran's like, hey, come to lunch. I went to lunch. I met the guy. The guy goes, hey, why don't you come back for dinner? They had Siegfried and Roy come. You know the guys in Vegas with the Tigers? They had Tigers in the place. This is what they paid to have these guys look at. I said, the guy with the tiger, the white tigers, before the guy got bit? This is like 20 years ago. Bro, there was tigers at the place. I'm in this environment. Miss Sherry, I don't belong here. In my head, I'm going, you don't belong here. You shouldn't be here. Number one, all these guys earned the right to be here. I went on a free ride. They put me up in the hotel. I was balling, man. I had so many spoons, I didn't know which spoon went to what. I said, I'm not touching nothing on this table. They had silverware on the side and the side and on the top. Once the silverware went to the top, I said, I've never seen that before, bro. I'm out. I just sat still like, what do I do? God's like, in my head, I'm thinking, you ain't supposed to be here. And all the while, God's like, I'll put you right where I want you. What inside of you is telling you ain't supposed to be here? Everybody, you got a story like that. God's favor hitting your life. I didn't belong there. God said, I put you there. Get used to it. I'm not going to take you where you want to go. I'm going to take you where I need you. So you can't be a compromiser, though. They said, what do you do? I told the guy. I told the company guy. I said, I, I preach, I'm going to preach the gospel. He was all interested in that. See, God will give you influence to reach mankind. Take it. If you don't think you belong there, you'll miss the opportunity God put you there to reach people. The only reason why God gave you the influence he gave you is for his kingdom. Don't you ever forget it. That's the only reason why. And that's why God will bring you before kings. The Bible says God will bring you before kings of the earth. Bro, I was overseas. The guy I went to Africa with ran the country. I didn't even go. I don't even want to tell you what I didn't go through. But when you go places, you're supposed to get checked. They didn't check me one time. They're like, you with the president almost. Yep. Walked on the tarmac of the runway at the airport. And they didn't, nobody said nothing to him. They moved out of his way like, oh, the bishop. Bishop, bishop, bishop. I was like, bishop, who's this dude? I was like, he was, what? Influence. The bishop's here. That joker had no problem taking his spot. The government listened to what he said. Are you seeing what I'm saying? I, God put him there. Take your place. Who keeps telling you you can't do this? Who keeps telling you you can't be this? Who keeps telling you this stuff? What is fear trying to limit you to me? I ain't going to have that kind of marriage because, you know, I'm old. Who told you this? Who, I ain't going to have them kind of kids because, you know, we were dysfunctional. Everybody in this room's dysfunctional. Wake up. Come on. Listen. Are you getting what I'm saying? We're not going to have that kind of family. Why not you going to have that kind of family? Who keeps telling you this fear-filled nonsense of doubt and unbelief? Who? Stop it. Stop believing it. God's good all the time. Hey, remember this. I don't care what any preacher tells you in the world, they're lying. God is good even when I'm bad. God is good even when I'm bad. You understand me? God don't care about how bad you are. I think he laughs about it to tell you the God's on the truth. The church trips out and go, loses their religion over it like, oh, my God, look what they did. I think God looks down and goes, this ding-dong is better get it sooner or later. We've been doing this for 15 years. Maybe they'll figure it out. I don't think God is so quick to be so dismissive of people. I think he loves you and he believes in you and he expects the best of you. And guess what? His, what? The son of his blood has redeemed you, so you might be catching up to a revelation. But don't you ever think you're so bad God stops being good cut it out he's good all the time my position is stuck in goodness come on man don't get stuck with this nonsense 
Some of us are a little work in progress. Yeah. You ever go somewhere and it says, please pardon the dust, we're still under construction? Get a sign, get a t-shirt. <laughs> please pardon the dust, God's still constructing me, he's fixing me, I don't know. That's Pastor Liz, she's got to live with me. Praise be to God. So she goes, you know, everybody prays for me because I live with you. I said, they need to pray for me because I live with you. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Why? Come on, right? This is good. Why? What happens is this. You get limited. Remember this. This is a big one too, right? Here's what happens. When you don't understand yourself in the right place, you, you start complaining. Your, your complaining starts to increase when fear is running rampant. Amen. Write that down. If you're complaining, you got to watch this. This is a different angle, man, because people think, well, I'm complaining because I'm mad. You're complaining you're, because you're not seeing right. So complaining, this is what happens sometimes. Now, just look at this window because it's a really cool window to look through. It's a great thought. What was the problem with the spies in the land? They could not see what God told them they could have. So because fear showed up and said, walled cities, giants, all this mess, they were limited in what God said they can do and be. And now all of a sudden they said, we'd rather die in the wilderness. Isn't that a pity party? They're messed up, right? Now what do they start doing? They start complaining. So we think complaining is I'm frustrated. Complaining might be just because you're afraid. Never thought of that before, did you? I'm just complaining because it, no. What do you mean? Because I'm not seeing something right. Are you seeing it? So you got to watch the complaining. Don't complain. Mumbling, grumbling. This is the month of gratitude, isn't it? Come on, right? We're grateful. We're thankful. We're going to have Thanksgiving. Yay. Some of you better get ready. Your family's coming, right? Watch. Telling you the truth, right? So how many need extra faith when the family shows up? You know what I'm saying? Right? They show up, right? It's like, oh, this is going to be great. Thanksgiving. Yeah, praise God. Hopefully I can make it this year. How many got a couple winners in the family show up, right? Don't raise your hand real high. Glory to God. You know, you need extra grace. So watch your complaining. How about this one? It's a big one. You start second guessing God. You know you do. Come on, right? Hey, God, man, if you're really in this, shouldn't this have happened by now? <laughs> you ever second guess God? You know what I'm saying. You know what I mean? You're like, God, did you really start this project or what? You ever been in the middle of a project? You, know, you ever start second guessing God? I do it all the time. Then I ask him, hey, where you at? You better just start opening your mouth. Hey, God, we got, look, God's got big enough shoulders to handle your questions. Where are you at, man? How long is this going to take? You, sec- you start second-guessing God. Okay, be careful, man. Don't lose faith in what God said. We all do it. Just know this. Sometimes we got to be careful because here's the big thing. Why? The Israelites complained, come on, right, and started understanding that fear is sowing, trying to sow the seeds of doubt. So when the second guessing comes, it's okay, but get back to the goodness and the love of God because you don't want doubt to develop within your heart because you're second guessing the promise. Ain't nobody in this room has not second guessed the promise of God. Just don't let doubt stand around long enough that you absorb it and now you don't believe what God said. Come on, you see it? That's how you get depressed. You start second guessing God and you start denying the principles and the promises, and now you're depressed a little bit because you're mostly getting messed up because it doesn't look like nothing's happening because doubt is all around. Doubt is the thief of God's greatest blessings. Don't allow it in. So just know God's still good. Laugh. Sometimes I laugh at myself so much because I got to go in the mirror and talk to myself. You ever do that? Try it. You're going to love it. Go in the mirror and talk to yourself. Like, hey, you. I talk to me like, hey, you. And then, like, you know what I do that's funny? When I get grumpy, 
right? Because I get grumpy once in a while. I make joy come out of me. Try this. Try this next time. Next time you're grumpy, you know you're a little angry. Some of you get hangry. You know, go in the mirror and make joy come out of you. Yeah. I go in the mirror. I go, hey, joy. I know you're in there. Come out. I look in the mirror. I'm like, hey, joy. Joy, I know you're in there. You come out of me. In the mirror. I'm looking at myself. Hey, joy. You're in there. Come out of me. You'll start laughing at yourself in about a couple of minutes. You're laughing now. <laughs> yeah, it's wacky. It's a wacky world I live in. But hey, it's my world. You know what I mean? They're my marbles. Just because they go all over the place, I'm still saying. But you got to sometimes talk to yourself. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. You got to talk to yourself. What? Sometimes I go in there, joy, come out of me. Why? Because if you're not careful, you'll get depressed. And the reason why you're getting depressed is we're second, we're second guessing God's promises because it looks like fear is all around me and all this other nonsense. And then instead of looking at the promise, doubt's rising up and we get a little discouraged in the well-doing, but just hang in there. It's going to be all right. Why is that so important? Remember this? You got to find courage. Write that down. You got to find courage. You got to be courageous. Amen. I mean, no, courage isn't easy, okay? Tomorrow, next week, I'm going to talk about this again. I like this because I'm going to tell you what fear, fear does. I like this one. I'm going to hit it again because I like it because, you know, because fear is sneaky. It's slippery, man, because it's not like a phobia, like, oh, I'm scared. It's sneaky. You know, you know fear makes you defensive? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you next week about this. There's only little things and little triggers, like you're, I'm defensive. I'm just, rawr. no, you're, you're afraid of something. And now it's coming out in your behavior patterns. I'm like a psychologist, but I don't have the PhD thing. <laughs> I got a doctorate in divinity, though. That's real. <laughs> the PhD means, you know, the other thing, you got to go be a mind doctor. I did better than the shrink, the shrink though, they told me. So, hey, praise God. There you go. Whatever. Okay, so look at this scripture. You got the courageous one up there? I like that. The second Timothy one? I got, I got I don't want a couple of them in here to do that. Yeah, it's good for him. She's the one, she's a real good at it. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. You're not a coward, right? You're not craving and cringing and fawning fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and a calm, well-balanced mind and a disciplined self-control. You want to take a picture of that one? Go ahead. I like it when you guys take pictures of those things. That's kind of cool. That's a good idea whoever came up with that. But praise God. Should have built an app for that. Be a millionaire. Kind of glory to God. Right? Look, why? Because this is the big thing. When you're, when, you're, when you're full of fear, sometimes you're full of anxiety. And sometimes what it does is it makes you back off from things because you're, 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 in your, within, your, within your thinking, you don't feel like going forward, but you're drawn back because really it makes you timid. And the timidity that you're living in is basically you got to get a lack, you have a lack of courage. And it's normal, okay? Joshua was one of the greatest people to see this. Moses is dead. That's where we get Joshua 1.8, yeah. where he tells him, you know, don't let this book of the law depart in your mouth. Meditate there in day and out. Be strong and be courageous. 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 Why? Moses is gone, and now you got to lead the people. you got to lead the people a place you've never been before. But be strong and courageous, because I'll be with you all the days of your life. How many of you know you got to encourage yourself? Did you know that? You got to encourage yourself, man, because ain't nobody going to encourage you. You got to stay strong in the Lord and the power of his mind, and you got to stay encouraged. Are you here? Come on, man. We're facing some stuff, but we're still going to be courageous. Come on. We ain't going to, we ain't going to, why? I got to be courageous, and I cannot be timid about it. We got to be strong and courageous. He said, how do I get strong and you get courageous? He said, meditate there in this book of the law. Do not let it depart out of your mouth. 
Just say what God says. Think, here's how you get courage. You want to get courage? Say, Pastor Chris, you ever, you ever have to face something? Yeah, man. I had to face a lot of stuff. Make, you, make your knees knock. It's bigger than you. You got people's lives on the line. I was in Bible school. Scared me. Doug Jones scared me. Doug Jones is one of the best Bible teachers. I need to have him come back, and I will. Doug Jones taught about this girl. She was a Baptist girl. She went to Baptist church. They brought her to Kenneth Hagin ministry. Not through God bless the Baptist. But her mom and dad didn't really understand too much about healing because, you know, some, some denominations don't really feel like, oh, that's for that. Whatever the story was. They brought her in the Baptist bus. Mom and dad dragged her, dragged her to healing school every day. She had 80 tumors in her body. She was dying. And as a mom and dad in desperation, they brought their daughter to Kenneth Hagin ministries to get healed. Doug Jones told me in class, I sat there and listened to it. It scared me out of my mind. He said, I, I had her five days, five days in healing school, and everything I preached, everything I taught, everything I said, and everything I did was for that girl. Try to get her ready. And I said to myself, I said, wow. I said, what happened? He goes, she died. And everything I preached, everything I taught, everything I did, I did in my power to try to help her. I don't know what that is, but fix it. I don't know what happened. But I did it for that girl. And, she, and, and we, I didn't have enough time is what he, tell, what he said. I sat there as a Bible school student at Billy and literally was scared out of my mind. I said, you have the responsibility of people. It's life and death. This ain't no joke. If you ain't going to be serious about it, you need to leave, bro. Me. I was like, get the heck out of here and go. Go do something else. So I made a determining factor that day that I knew I was in the people business. No only other business I'm in is the people business. I got to help people, man. And I, I said all that to say this. You don't think I need courage? Amen. You don't think I need to stand? If, sometimes they die, man. I've been with the best of them. I, I've been there. I've been there when their body left. I've been, you know what I'm saying? You do everything you can. But you got to face death. Stare it in the eye and say, you ain't going to win. We're going to win. You got to face stuff. Look, I didn't tell you this was going to be easy, but God's going to be faithful. You got to find courage. I, figured, I determined that day. I said, you know what? I might not know everything, but I know this. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust God, and we're going to overcome in areas of life. We're all doing it. But you got to be courageous, man. We're going to face some stuff that's not easy, but God is faithful. Have you seen him walk off the gurney? Yep. Have you seen him supposed to die and live? Yep. Have you seen more live and not, than die? Yep. But I got news for you. Guess what? You still got to be courageous all the way through. Don't ever miss the point that you're going to have to face some stuff that's not easy, and you're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord and find courage to face stuff that most people won't face. Amen? Come on, I promise you it's true. Close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every person here today, and I thank you, Lord, that they're going to be strong, they're going to be courageous, and they're going to step in this thing. Thank you, Father. We're not going to walk in fear. We're not going to handle fear. We're not going to stay with fear, but we're going to overcome fear. And we're going to walk beyond this thing. And even this week, next week, we're going to learn even more about how to be supernatural overcomers in life and overcome everything you have for us. This season, we're going to know greater than ever before who you are and what you can do in our life. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarnum. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, you can visit us at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. Thanks for listening.